Good morning. I think I won the over. We had an under over going on how many people showed up in person today. So I think I got a free lunch out of the deal. It's not going to cost me lunch. So good job, everybody. Thank you for saving me 15 bucks this week. I appreciate that. I'm not going to tell you who didn't have the faith in you, but, uh, you know, starts with a J and ends with an Emmy. But uh, I don't know. So we'll see. Don't let him count today, all right, because I got a feeling he might uh, mess the numbers up. Hey, if you're a guest this morning, my name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Crossroads. Good to have you here today. If you're tuning in online for the first time, maybe it's halftime, or maybe the Broncos have just done such a good job. They're just squashing the Jacksonville Jaguars. Could be vice versa. I really don't know. What is the score of the game right now? I know y'all are looking. 21-17 who? Broncos. So tune it, just turn it off. This is what I know is going to happen in the room all the next, you know, hour and a half we're together. Like, that's exactly what's going on in this place. I know it. So it's good to have everybody here. Uh, let me ask you a quick question. Um, how many of y'all are Ted Lasso fans? Anybody Ted Lasso fans? I would appreciate that. If you're not a Ted Lasso fan, I want to encourage you to leave. Um, and... No, I'm just kidding. I want to encourage you to get Apple TV Plus just for the trial period to watch Ted Lasso. Some of the greatest characters that have been written and truly a really wonderful show. Um, and I love, I love one of the themes within Ted Lasso is this idea of winning, right? There's this tension between developing a team, right? The Greyhounds. Uh, what does it mean to be a team, to work together, but also recognize that these are professional athletes, right? And how do, we, how do they actually move together, but yet win, right? And so they have the goal, obviously, as a, a professional football team in Europe, or soccer is what we would say on this side of the pond, um, to, to win a championship. That's the goal. And, and we all kind of set goals. We love championships. I've got my abs championship hat on today. You all, I want to thank you for that. Uh, I think I'm going to, I was noticing that they do play the Bruins uh, at some point in time, so I might get tickets to go cheer on the Bruins, but that's all right, you know. Uh, you all still love us no matter what. But we love to set ambitious goals in our lives, right? We, we want to be people who think about the future. We want to be people who win, right? Have you ever set an ambitious goal? Raise your hand up nice and high if you've set a goal in your life. And for you, it was ambitious. Might not be for somebody else, but for you, it felt ambitious. Like my goal was like, stay awake today, you know? That was the, that was the goal. Some of you, your goal out last night was get to church, right? You were here all day yesterday working hard, right? But we set ambitious goals, right? Maybe you want to be number one at work, number one sales, whatever it might be. Uh, maybe you wanted to make varsity. You're in here, you're in high school, and that was your goal, right? You start off as a freshman, and you said, one day I'm going to make varsity, whatever it might be, right? Maybe you have an ambitious goal of getting out of debt. Maybe life happened to you. Anybody ever have life happen to them, and so debt happens with it, right? You say, I'm going to get out of debt, right? And then sometimes when we get that goal, have you ever, now be honest, have you ever been consumed by that goal, right? And it got a little out of hand, <laughs> right? I mean, it was just became laser focused, right? Well, why is that? Why can things get out of hand when we set goals? Why do we have this desire to set ambitious goals that are maybe out of reach? Well, a part of that is because I think we want to be winners. How many of you in the room woke up today and said, I just want to lose in life? You know that whole stuff about being the head and not the tail? No thank you. I'm perfectly happy being the tail, right? 
Nobody wants to be a loser, right? How many of y'all ever played make pretend as a kid? Raise your hand up nice and high. Stay with me this morning. I know the Broncos are on. You played make pretend as a kid. Maybe you played make pretend as like you were in the concert hall and you were in the rock star, right? And everybody's watching you. And maybe you played pretend you were a baseball player or a football player or whatever it might be. Whatever your dream was as a little kid, right? Nobody ever dreams of missing the final shot. Right? If you were like me growing up in Indiana, you played basketball. It didn't matter if you liked it, you just played basketball. That's what you did. And, and you'd go out and you'd play basketball and you'd count down the timer and you'd shoot and you'd imagine everybody goes, nobody's like, I hope I miss, I hope I miss. And yes, I missed. I, losing teaches me so many good things in life. No, we dream of making the shot. If a baseball, nobody ever thinks like bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, game seven of the World Series, two outs, down by one. Nobody dreams of striking out in that moment. Nobody wants to be that person, right? We all want what? Success and greatness. It, it just lives inside of us. There's something about that inside of us. We want to be successful. We want to be great. And that desire, we call it ambition, right? Ambition. That desire for success and greatness. Now, what can we say about ambition? Now, some of you, like right away, I say the word ambition. It's like, oh, that's not a good word. But what is ambition, just at its level? Well, ambition is that thing that drives us towards success, right? It's this desire inside of us to achieve a goal, and that goal usually requires work, focus, determination. And so there's something inside of us that we would say is ambitious towards that goal. Now, without ambition, we don't have any aspiration. Whatever level, you can have lots of ambition, a little ambition. But if you have no ambition, right, our goals, our dreams will never take off, right? And so on this like road, on this path to success, ambition is that internal thing that we feel that will help us when we hit the rough patches, right? When you start off at work, when you're thinking, I want to be great at what I do, but you have no idea what you're doing, right? When you realize, wait a second, I just spent all this money and I got my degree and my degree has not helped me one bit with what I'm trying to do. And you, go, you feel like you're starting all over maybe. Right? So ambition is that internal drive that helps us get through even difficult times. And if in your life you, you ever have, have like had this desire or you have striven to achieve things like power, fame, wealth, honor, right? if you have ever wanted any measure of those things, maybe you didn't talk about it, maybe you didn't say it out loud, but if you've ever wanted those things right, and you start to display that drive, people would say, oh, that's an ambitious person right? It takes a little bit more, right, to get what we want, right, or need to make that ambitious goal than just sitting around hoping it happens, right? Hope is a terrible strategy, right? It takes that measure of ambition. Now, ambition has kind of a, a broader meaning too, right? It's just, it's not just like this desire for one goal, but it just could be desire or energy or focus in general, and ambition is very fascinating to me because we all hear that word differently, right? We hear that word differently because our ambition itself is, is driven by a lot of factors in our lives, right? The way we think about this word ambition. So the family that you grew up in is going to tell you how good or bad or right or wrong ambition is, right? When I say the word ambition, do you think, oh, that's a positive thing. Drive, drive, drive. You say, oh, that's a negative thing. That just turns people into jerks or you're kind of neutral with it. But the families that we grow up in, they kind of determine if we grew up in a family that was really driven, our, our parents maybe were driven, or our parent was driven, or our caregiver was driven, they're going to put that in you, right? 
you're going to feel that ambition. The broader culture that we live in, if we live in a culture that's kind of more driven by relationships or a culture that's driven by a determinant of success that's based upon the bank account or it's based upon the house we live in, that's going to play into how we think about it. You know, your religious culture that you grew up in will also like form in you what ambition is. I remember the first time somebody ever asked me about career goals. And I thought about that from the position that I'm in, right? Like this this role that I play. And I had never in my life thought about like, well, what are my career goals? Right? Because the religious environment that I grew up in was like, well, you just let go and let God, right? Thank God that we had that song come out, Jesus Take the Wheel. That was just like, I mean, I was lost until Carrie sang that for me, you know, like that's what it is, right? But somebody actually said like, well, what do you think about like, and and I didn't know that I was allowed to have career goals, right? Like just the, the, the religious environment I grew up in. Not, I'm not saying something bad about it, but that was just kind of the nature of it. You just kind of did what you were told. You felt like God was directing you and you did what you were told. And then there was this thought of like, oh wait, you could actually think about your future. You could actually set kind of aspirational goals. There's an a article the Harvard Business Review did on how much ambition should you have, right? How ambitious should you be? And the author writes this, the problem is that too many leaders fail to see it as a vital resource, right? That so many of us, and and by the way, everybody's in some leadership role in life. Like you might not have a title that provides you leadership, but there is some space in your world where you are a leader. And this author says that the problem is not everybody sees it as such a vital resource. And here's what he says, they either recklessly indulge in it or work hard to suppress it for fear of being seen as as self-serving. Right, so there's these two poles that we live in with ambition, right? We try to hide it. I don't want to be seen as self-serving. I don't want to, it focuses in on me. Or you go after it really hard. And they go, oh, that's an ambitious person. Oh, start talking about it. And I have a tendency to think that ambition, because it can do something really powerful in our lives, that ambition can take us down a really dangerous road, road and that ambition will eventually ambush us. So we kind of go, okay, how do I hold, oh, I'll be careful here. And you'll see like sometimes false humility, things like that. But ambition can ambush us when it becomes blind ambition, right? You've all heard that phrase, blind ambition, right? So if ambition is this desire, drive, focus, then what is blind ambition? Blind ambition is just Blinders are on, no consideration of how our actions, the world around us perceives us, and we just do everything we can to get the goal, right? So as individuals, as people, sometimes we'll strive to succeed. We want to get that goal so much that our desire to achieve that goal will override our sense of right and wrong, right? So for example, someone with blind ambition, they might turn a blind eye to deceit because it can get me where I want to go. Right? They might stop taking care of themselves to reach the goal. Right? All of a sudden, it's like so you're super unhealthy, but it's like, I got to get that goal. I got to get that goal. Right? And so here's the deal. When we work with blind ambition, oftentimes we become our own worst enemy. And oftentimes we become like the worst. You know what I mean? Like nobody wants to be around us. Nobody can work with us. Nobody can work for us. Nobody wants us on their team because we're blinded by this idea of success. An author who writes a bit about ambition said this, sometimes our highest goal becomes our big enemy when we move towards our goal blindly without focusing, I love this, on the path 
we follow. Isn't that good? Right? That, that, that great thing that could be a wonderful thing in our lives, but when we don't focus on the path that we're on to get us there, right, it can become our own worst enemy. And actually, what's, what's incredible about this is this is not a new human experience. It's not like all of a sudden, like, we woke up as a Western country and thought, let's be ambitious. Ambition is a part of the human condition. Even Jesus talks about ambition, right? Jesus gives us some wisdom on how to navigate ambition in our lives so that we can achieve and get on a path that leads to true eternal impact and greatness. And so what wisdom does Jesus offer us on greatness? Well, there's this great story that we find in a couple of the Gospels, and it's used a little differently depending upon the author you're looking at, but I want to look at it in the Gospel of Luke. Now, if you're new to Bible study, new to the whole Scripture thing, and I just said the Bible, and now you're kind of freaking out and go, here we go. They're going to control me and manipulate me and tell me how to live and everything that's wrong with you. Here's the scoop. I personally, and I think around our church, one of our values is wisdom. We see scripture, this collection of books that have been written over thousands of years to be wisdom for our lives, right? Jesus is the word of God made flesh. That's a faith statement. And God uses our sacred texts that have been with us that tell the story of our spiritual ancestors. And we look at the scripture for wisdom, right? I happen to think that when you look at at these texts for rules, you will run into problems. (laughs) And when you try to say you follow the Bible, you're just going to run in circles. It's a very, very difficult thing. So we look for wisdom. We look to be led by the grace and and love of God, okay? So everybody take a nice deep breath right before we talk about the Bible, because I know that that can be a source, it legitimately can be a real source of trauma in our lives. So we have this great story in Luke, and Jesus, here's what's fascinating. Jesus has, has talked to the disciples, and they get into an argument. So Luke 22 says this, a dispute also arose among them, that's the disciples, the 12 that were following Jesus. It could have been a broader group of disciples, but it's probably the 12 that became known as the apostles, as to which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest. Like, being around Jesus changes you. Just, makes you. just makes you beautiful people, right? Like, these are the people that were around him in the flesh, right? And I love it. Now, you want to know what's really funny about this moment? Like, you might not think it's funny, but I think it's funny. Is that Jesus had just, in the story, in the narrative, the way that Luke describes it, like, Luke has Jesus telling the disciples, one of you knuckleheads is going to betray me and ruin this whole thing. My, my paraphrase. Like Jesus says, there's one among you who's going to betray me. And they start arguing about that, right? Not me. Who, you? Like, you know, they're like, it's got to be that one. over. I don't even know that guy. Where did he come from? Like, so they're arguing over who's going to betray. And then that turns into an argument over who's the greatest. You can see it happening, right? Like, I wouldn't do it. I carried his sandals. I wouldn't do it. Like, I come from this era. So they start saying why they're not the worst among them, (laughs) which then leads to the conversation, well, you all should really value me as the greatest. And there's there's this whole thing taking place among them in Luke's description of it, of like defending themselves from being the one who would betray to saying, not only am I not the one who's going to betray, I'm actually better than all of you. And you all should recognize that. Like, it's me. So they're arguing, and they're arguing, and they're arguing. And here's what I think. I don't think that the disciples were arguing over who's the greatest in Jesus' eyes. I think they were arguing over who should be seen as the greatest among their peers. Like, who's in charge when Jesus is gone? 
not gone, gone for good, but just like gone when Jesus has an appointment. Who leads us, right? <laughs> so, that, so that conversation takes place because they want to be great in the eyes of their peers. And I, I just want to honor that. Like, I, don't, I think that's okay. But Jesus says to them in that moment, listen, the kings of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. And those in authority over them are called benefactors. In other words, there's a hierarchy and a structure and there's the benefactors and the beneficiaries. And there's the ones who are in charge. There's the ones who have all the power and all the money. Now, in this moment, Jesus does something very interesting to me that is almost the complete opposite of the religious environment that I grew up in. Jesus doesn't condemn the disciples for their ambition. Jesus doesn't say, you idiots. What is wrong with you? Have I not been with you so long? He does do that when they're praying in John. He's like, can you not tarry five minutes? <laughs> he says one hour. But, right, like there's this, this, this sense that Jesus like doesn't want to squash it. Right, you ever have like a kid who has like great energy and you, you just need to like, I don't want to squash that energy, but this is going in a bad direction. Right? Like, I love parents in the room start laughing like, yeah, I got two. I got three of those, right? Like, this is going to be one of the greatest things in your life. Like, this is going to make you succeed, but right now it's also going to be a thorn in your flesh. And so we try to mold and shape, right? And that's what Jesus is doing here in this moment. It's really fascinating. And so Jesus goes on and says, but this isn't the way it should be with you. Not so with you. Rather, the greatest among you must become like the youngest and the leader like the one who serves. So what is Jesus doing here? He's redirecting their ambition. He's not squashing the energy. He's not squashing the drive. He's not saying ambition is of the enemy of the devil. Cast out, be gone. No, he doesn't do any of that. He just says, hold on, take that energy and let's channel it into something better. Let's channel it into real greatness. And he says this, he says, for whoever is greater, or he, said, he asked the question, for who is greater? The one who's at the table or the one who serves? Legitimate question. Who's greater? And I love that Jesus just says, is it not the one who's at the table? Wouldn't we all recognize that the one who's at the table is greater than the one who serves? He says, but wait, I'm among you as one who serves. So what Jesus does here, he doesn't upend it. He doesn't say this is wrong. He just says, let's redefine greatness. Let's redefine greatness. See, greatness is serving when you ought to be served. That's greatness, right? Jesus says greatness is when the world tells you, when your boss tells you, when everything around you tells you, you should be the one being served. Greatness is saying, no, no, I'm going to serve. So Jesus says, let's, let's you know, be great. Absolutely. So let's talk about who's the greatest among you now. Who's the greatest among you now? So I don't want us to miss this as we launch into this series that really is, how do we find this unlikely path that Jesus gives us into greatness? How do we do that? Well, the unlikely path that Jesus offers us is not get rid of ambition, but it's to take that ambition and develop it in service. Like have an ambition to serve. And not just be a person who serves, but to look for the moments in our lives where everything around us says, kick back, stick your feet up, you're, the, you're living large. You're the one at the table. It's in those moments that Jesus says, serve. When you know you should be served, serve. 
And that's where it's at. So in your everyday normal life, when you log off from tuning in, when you kind of leave this space, and wherever you're going to be tomorrow at 9 a.m., where are you going to be tomorrow at 9 a.m.? Just think about that spot. Because that's far more important than where you are right now. Do you know that? Like your impact in this world, your love for people is, is tomorrow morning, right? I'm grateful you're here. And I think this can help, but it's all about Monday morning, right? It really is. And so when you're there, wherever that is, like how do we take this principle of serving when we should be served, develop that ambition? Well, I think the first thing we have to do is acknowledge that it's super easy to take ambition and move it from move it inward instead of outward, <laughs> right? Our ambition is usually about us, right? And so can we just honor that reality in ourselves? And, and that's what the Bible word for confess is, right? The Bible word for confess and, and we confess our sin one to another is to honor the truth of something that is not healing the world, right? So, so sometimes we hear this word confession and it's like, oh, we got to beat ourselves up. No, I just think confession is saying out loud what's true. Like the reality is it feels kind of good to stand up here and have a few eyeballs looking at me. It kind of feels kind of good to have uh, the title lead pastor. Just boss people around. <laughs> Some of you are laughing. You're like, what are you talking about? You're an idiot, right? Like you got the title CEO in the room. Isn't this wonderful? Got the office with all the windows, top of the top, top of the top of the top. This is great. So we just, can we just honor that feels good? I had a really fun conversation with somebody about the royal family, which I know none of, but I act like I did. And uh, I always would say, like, I think the royal family has to think that they're better than everybody else. Now, I know that strikes you as well. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying, how could you live your whole life being told by everybody around you that you're better than everybody else and not get that? Does that make sense? Maybe not. But this idea that the world around us, you might be in an, a, a chamber, an echo chamber that's just telling you, you're the boss, you're in charge, you're the one, you're the woman, you're the man, you're the non-binary person who is living the dream, right? Whatever it might be, that, that will turn our ambition inward. How do I just keep growing? How do I not lose my power? How do I not, not lose that position? How do I control people, right? It's, I think what I'm saying is it's a natural reality as we consume power. Right? So I'm not judging that. I'm just saying we have to honor that and confess that that's in me. And then we say, okay, if that's in me, how do I learn to recognize it and say, not today, Satan. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. When it's a light attendance. You won't tell anybody I said that. Okay. Right? How do we say, oh, there it is. There it is. It's in me. Right? I, I had a long day at work. I'm going to come home and I'm going to expect everybody around me to serve me. Right? What do I do? Why? Well, I, I just honor that. And then I want to encourage all of us to develop an ambition to serve in two ways. First of all, as a member of the scattered church. So I like to use two phrases around here, scattered church and gathered church. So the scattered church is when you go out of this place tomorrow, today, and you are a unique individual expression of the organic reality of this mystical body of Christ in the world. Right, that you walk out of here and in some way you have been called into this grace to serve this world as the body of Christ, to love, to honor, to bring beauty and grace and mercy, right? And membership in the scattered church is a really about making a choice to follow the path of Jesus. I'm going to follow the path of Jesus. 
I'm going to commit my life. Around here, we talk about the peacemaking path of Jesus, right? Some places might call it being a Christian. Some people say, well, you get baptized. Just, just, I think there's just this acceptance of the truth of we're all beautiful in the eyes of God, and I live in that, and I spread that, and so that's following the path of Jesus. And now you become this part of the mystical, organic body of Christ. So be a person of peace in your home, in your neighborhood, at work, and you serve when you deserve to be served. Like, I deserve to be served here. So instead of letting that get you all in a bunch, just know that Jesus says, you're absolutely right. So start serving people. <laughs> like, that's the upside-down kingdom of God. I absolutely 100% deserve. Do you know how hard I work to get to this position in life? And Jesus is like, absolutely, nice job. And now that you're there, the thing that you do is serve. Wait, what? Isn't it my, no, it's not your time to be served. What are you talking about? Have you not been paying attention to me? Did you not read Philippians, Paul wrote? Me being the very nature of God, emptied all of myself out and became like a servant even to death. Like what about that is like time to kick up my feet and be served? No, you're absolutely right. You deserve to be served. I think Jesus would honor that. You deserve to be served. The problem is the values that say you deserve to be served are all messed up. They're not God values. So live against that grain. Honor this moment. And so we do that by sharing our power. Ooh, what? That's crazy talk. Yeah, share your power. Don't hold it tight. Put the needs of others first. How in this position of authority and power and influence that I've been given do I put the needs of others first and help others develop and perform as highly as possible? So you're in a position at work, in your neighborhood, whatever it might be, how do you see your life as a way to help them become awesome? Like if you're married in here, is your mission in your marriage or, or your relationship to make the other person awesome? their awesomeness develop their greatness and know that your greatness is tied into your ability to make them great. Isn't that what Jesus did with all of us? To pour out everything. So how do we do that? And then I want to encourage you not only to do this as the scattered church, but to do it as a member of the gathered church. All right? So, so this is a unique thing because the gathered church is like a local church and it's an organization. In our context, in our culture, it's a nonprofit. And nonprofits generally have members of some sort. And that's just kind of the way we function under the laws of our land, right? And so I want to encourage everybody to participate in a unique expression of the organized mystical body of Christ, a corporate witness of the goodness of God in this world, a corporate witness of the power of love and mercy and grace and truth and humility right, to participate and be a part of it, and so to be a member. Now, I happen to know a little bit about this church membership, <laughs> but if this isn't your church, if you just happen to be tuning in or whatever, I want to encourage you, find a church and do more than attend. Like, sign in, be a member. Now, inside your program is a little membership card like this. Pull that out for me right now. We're going to go through membership orientation right now. <laughs> I'm serious. This is not rocket science, people. <laughs> So if you'll turn on the back, right, and you'll see, like, membership at Crossroads Church, right? Members at Crossroads Church, right? You're 16. How many in the room are 16 years or older? Raise your hand up nice and high. 16 years or older. Some of you don't want to admit it, but you are. You're 16 years of age or older. So that's something in our Bible. You've got to be 16. And you have to have been around participating for six months, right? So those are kind of the two external, like, non-thought kind of qualifications of just personhood, okay? 
says, Crossroads Church members believe in the peacemaking vision of Jesus, and we commit uh, ourselves to creating a church where everybody can experience the hope and freedom found in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Right? So membership is not just about joining a club. It's about participating in creating something where everyone is welcome, where everyone can come, and we share our beliefs, and we create this space where we care and love for one another. We love for the outsider, for our community, that they might not be a part of our church. We love them. We love and care for one another as we go through different struggles together, and, and we create a space for that. Right? And you can see the history of Crossroads Church started in 1996 with this idea of let's be a church where people that don't feel welcome at church can come. And that vision carries on and is still a part of why we do what we do when we do it. And then you'll see the section there that says the heartbeat of Crossroads Church. Three things that you should probably understand before you like check the box. I'm a member, all right? Three things, that's it. There's lots of other stuff, but three core things, right? Uh, the heart of Crossroads is to reach out to the spiritually dissatisfied, disconnected, and deconstructing who are longing for something better for themselves and for this world. So that's one of our values as a church, that we don't exist, we don't craft our experiences on Sunday mornings, we don't think about our programs simply for people that are in, simply for people that have it all figured out, but it's for people who are questioning for people who are exploring, for people who have been dissatisfied, for people who have been disenfranchised. And so as members, we come together with that focus, the music that we choose, the way in which we gather, the times. We think more about what's just convenient for us and what we like, but what might be there for somebody who's longing for a spiritual community but says, I, never, I don't think there's one that exists that will have me. Right? Number two, are you with me? What's going on with the Broncos? I know you're checking in. Is it, is it tight? What is it? They won? It's over. It's a perfect time for it to be over. We can focus now. Okay, good. All right, here we go. They won, too. It's a sign from heaven. Everybody's members. Okay, perfect. I love it. All right, here we go. Another heartbeat across this church is this. Inspire, equipping, and encouraging people to walk the peacemaking path of Jesus in your everyday normal life. So that's the key phrase there. We exist for Monday, right? One of the things that we like to say internally is their Monday is as important as our Sunday. So as a staff team, we really focus on weekends, right? That's what, you, what we do as a church. But if all we think about is Sunday, then there's a problem. Like, it's Monday. It's the peacemaking path of Jesus. That's the way we think about Christianity today in this space. How do we walk the peacemaking path of Jesus? So we want our topics, we want our talks to be about how do I go out into my everyday normal life and live these principles, live this wisdom. And then finally, we focus on rewriting the five unacceptable truths. And so... Uh, Dennis talked about those for just a brief moment, but our five unacceptable truths that we want all of our work and all of our partnerships to focus in on are spiritual emptiness, poverty, illiteracy, fear of the other, racism, sexism, and homophobia, and modern-day slavery. So we want all of our work, the peacemaking path of Jesus, to dig into what are the cultural truths that we find unacceptable, that this is not the peacemaking path of Jesus. This is not the kingdom of God as envisioned by Jesus. And so how can we actually allow our spiritual lives to impact this physical world, right? And then you'll see there's some commitments there at the bottom. This is what members commit to, right? And I want you to pay close attention because I'm bringing you to a very, very practical next step, all right? Here's what it is. To be a member, number one, follow the peacemaking path of Jesus. You say, I'm in. I, I want to follow Jesus. And here's the thing. I've been following Jesus now for a long time, 40 years. I know I don't look it, but I have. Five years old, I'd committed to following Jesus, said I'm going to start sharing my toys. I'm not going to throw food anymore. <laughs> I'm, 
<laughs> live the good life, right? It's been a part of my whole life. Here's the thing. I don't have it figured out. I don't have it figured out. So don't, don't read that and say, oh, well, I've got... No, it, it's a desire to follow a peacemaking path of Jesus, to recognize the complexity of what that has meant in the history of the world and the planet when it comes to Christendom. But it's just this desire to say, like, this Jesus path is the way in which I encounter and experience the divine, and I want to follow that, right? So we make that commitment together. Second one is to attend the weekend service. So we think it's important. This time of gathering is a uniting space. It's not the end-all, be-all, trust me, right? I've, I've watched myself. I get it. It's, it's painful sometimes. But we think that this space kind of unites us. So whether a person can be here in person or you're tuning in online or if you're traveling, that in some way we, we make it a priority to just kind of stay connected with the spiritual topic that we're in and we're focused. So like connecting and being a part of this weekend gathering. Third, volunteer at Crossroads, right? You volunteer with our partners. You volunteer in programs. And that looks different for everybody. So some folks volunteer like every day of the week. It's just their jam. Some folks volunteer for one or two events a year that we put on for the community, like yesterday, that are all hands on deck. But we just say, I'm going to volunteer and be a part of it, right? Make sense? Good. Wonderful. We're not taking questions at this time. <laughs> the fourth one that everybody loves the most is financially give, right? So we're a nonprofit. We have no mothership that sends money right? We give together, right? So our family contributes, we tithe, and give, then give to Partners in Hope above and beyond that. And so we just ask that members commit to giving financially at whatever level they're comfortable at, okay? So there's giving. We're going to just breeze right on past that one, okay? And then the last one, and this is really great. I, I'm glad we kept this in here. We were trying to make this as simple as possible, but, but members bring their wisdom. You bring your wisdom in grace and humility to matters requiring membership discussion and vote. The truth is we are an organization, and so there are things that we come together on and we discuss and we think about and we gather consensus and we vote because this is your building, right? This is, these, are, these, these assets, this, the this tools that we have here are ours. And so we collectively come together, we trust leadership, and we ask good questions. And so we ask that members are active in that. So on November 20th, we have our kind of annual ministry celebration, which is a fun way of marketing the annual business meeting. <laughs> you like how honest I am? I'm like, come on. But that's what we do. We have an annual ministry celebration. It's for members and regular attenders. And we've got a couple of really great things to talk about that, that require members to voice their opinion on, to vote on, to be excited about, right? And, and to, to ask good questions. And so I hope that Everybody will come out to that on November 20th. But that's what membership is at Crossroads Church. Now, if you look on the back of your Connect card, you can put this down now. Um, if you've been here and you'd say, well, I'm already a member, Ryan. I got good news for you. You're not anymore. Isn't that good? The church council was like, no. Mm -mm. No, what we said was we want everybody to renew every year. We want to take time every year to recommit ourselves to the work that we're doing as a church. And so it's been a crazy three years. Y'all know that, right, in, in the world? It's been a crazy three years here at Crossroads Church. And we're, we, we want to know, like, who are the people that say, I'm Crossroads? And so this is a really simple thing. Like, if that makes sense to you and you go, yeah, I'm in, just check the box and you're in. <laughs> you don't have to meet with somebody in a weird suit, tell them all your story. Some of you are laughing because you had to do it at some point in time. Some other church, I'm sure, you know. There's no application to fill out. There's no paperwork. I, I really, truly believe in what, what Scripture talks about as the priesthood, priesthood of all believers, that we just trust people to say, I want to follow Jesus. You don't have a nefarious 
motive for becoming a member of Crossroads Church. But we think it's important. And the other thing is we want to care for one another well. And so we want to have an accurate group and list of people that Jimmy and the care ministry team are developing a group of people that want to regularly reach out to our members and just check in. How are you doing? Is there anything we can be praying about? And so I just would encourage you, if you're currently a member, just check that box on the back of the Connect card to just say, yep, I'm still in. If you're online, check it on the digital card. And if you're newer, if you've been here six months and you're like, this is, I don't know, uh, church membership, I don't know. Take a chance. Here's the good news, you can always quit. <laughs> or you can always get kicked out too. That's happened to me a couple times, right? Either way, you just move on, right? You just move on in life. It's no problem. But membership is about acknowledging that we need one another, right? And, and that, that we really do want to have a vision that we share together. And so, so over the next three weeks, this little mini membership orientation in some way, shape, or form is going to happen. And, and that's it. Now, uh, we're trying, we're working. I'm, I'm traveling for a couple of weeks, but November 13th, right after the service, we're going to try and have a little space where if you have questions that are, I mean, obviously you might have questions that you can explore and talk more, but if you're in, you've been around, you're like, I got it. The rest of it follows, right? Really understanding some of the other ways in which we think about theology here or our values, like you'll, you'll catch all that along the way, right? But this is what we think is like fundamental and foundational to say, yeah, this is my church. It's not the church I go to, but this is the church that I am. This is my church, right? I'm kind of a simple person like that, right? And so membership in the scattered church, membership in the gathered church, living with an ambition to serve, which is what we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks, how do we actually do that, does something really powerful, right? It, it paves a path in the world, right? So remember that quote that says, if we don't pay attention to the path we're on. But see, an ambition to serve paves a path for divine love. Like It's, it's like, you all ever played uh, Shoots and Ladders? <laughs> Right, man, when we just serve one another, it's just like creating little connections for God to flourish. In fact, that's just where I think God exists, believe it or not, is, is when we serve and love one another. It's in that space where you'll hear me say a lot of times, lack is the key ingredient to love. Lack is often the key ingredient to God's presence. Like when we experience lack and someone comes in and helps cover that lack and meet that lack and meet that need, we've experienced love. We've experienced the divine. And so this, this path, this ambition to serve creates that space. And ultimately, for everybody, it just leads to the well-being of people in our community, right? The people that we exist with, the communities we belong to, it's the common good. It's like the ultimate foundation, I think, of, like, of, 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 of Christian morality and ethics is the common good. And so as we kind of wrap up, go ahead and grab your Connect card and your offering envelope. We've got a song to just kind of finish up here this morning. This song says, uh, we've done this song before, we're kind of doing an acoustic version of it today, so you've got to sing it out. It says, we're the people we've been waiting for. And that's the heartbeat of our church. We want people to be members of Crossroads that say, I want to be the, the person that my neighbor's waiting for. I want to be those people who are filled with love and mercy and hope and joy, right, that come and, and, and aren't afraid to serve. And so this morning, what is it that God's inviting you into? Well, I hope that maybe God's inviting you to renew or become a member at Crossroads Church, and you'll check that box. Maybe you'll just plan on, and you know, you can always email me any questions you have about membership too, and we'll get that answered. But maybe there's just that invitation that's like stirring in your heart. Yeah, I'll do it. Check that box. 
I want to encourage everybody to hear a little whisper to like participate over the next three weeks. Just make a commitment to say, I want to grow in my serving. I want to grow in my ambition to serve, and so I'm going to make it a priority to connect with this, this experience every week, whether that's online, whether that's in the room, on demand. You just say, I'm going to make it an intentional act, right? Maybe you've never gone to church, but today's the first time, and you're like, whoa, that's a lot. Been once in 12 years. Now you're talking about three? Just give it a try and see what maybe practical ways there are to reach into this space of greatness that's kind of unlikely. And then I, I hope that as you're thinking about membership or if you're a regular attender, on November 20th, we have our lunch. So right after church here, we're going to have lunch together. We're going to celebrate things that have happened through us together, God working. Uh, we're going to talk about the future, the coming year. It's not going to take much time. It'll be about an hour total between go get your kids, grab lunch, come in here. And then we're going to deck the halls for anybody that can stay afterwards. We're going to put out the Christmas trees and the Christmas decorations if you want to on the 20th. It's going to be a fun day. Um, but you can sign up for that on the back of your Connect card. Just put how many people are coming as well. All right, so take a nice breath. Finish filling out that Connect card, your giving envelope. Uh, you all know it's a light attended Sunday, so thank you for giving triple. I appreciate that. Just kidding. Just joking. Thank you for being here today. So we're going to sing this song. Do this song. I'm going to come back and give us our blessing for the week, and then we'll head out into our everyday normal lives as a scattered church to be love in our world.